You're listening to Station F, the podcast. From the world's largest startup campus in Paris. Hello, I'm Roxanne Varza, director at Station F, the world's biggest startup campus located in central Paris, and welcome to our podcast. Earlier this month, Paris hosted one of the biggest gaming conventions in the world, the Paris Games Week, which welcomed over a total of 317,000 visitors. As you may all know, gaming is a huge industry, generated $120 billion worldwide last year, and experts predict the industry to reach $196 billion by 2022. That's a forecasted 63% increase in the space of three short years. That represents a lot of value being created, which means there's a lot of opportunities to be seized, and so we've invited three gaming startup founders to join us today as we dig into the business of gaming and its future. Station F podcast. Focus. We're happy to have two Station F entrepreneurs with us today. So we have Benjamin Atwood, co-founder and CEO of Care Game, a cloud mobile gaming solution. Hello, Benjamin. Hello, Roxanne. We have Nicolas Morer. Uh, co-founder and CEO of Vitality, Station F alumni and company in esports. Hello, Nicolas. Hi, Roxanne. We are also delighted to have amongst us renowned French gaming visionary Emmanuel Front, co-founder of Blade Group, team that built Shadow, a solution that allows users to play and stream games across any computer, tablet, or TV. So welcome, guys. Hi, there. To start with you, Emmanuel, your company has recently been featured in The Next 40, a list by the La French Tech to honor 40 of France's highest performing Czech champions. So already, congrats. Um, you guys have raised a total of over 100 million over the last years. And just last week, you closed a new round of 33 million to expand Shadow and propose some new services. So what can you tell us about Shadow exactly and where are you guys headed? So Shadow, uh, basically, it's a new generation of computer and uh, gaming console. The idea is that in a normal computer, you have the components that are inside the device. And with Shadow, we decide to take out those components to put them somewhere else in a data center, which is a huge building with a lot of, uh, a lot of servers and computers, and to stream the power of the computer directly to the user screen using the internet, basically, as a as a cable, as a normal cable that will connect the component to the to the computer. So the result of that is that you can access your comp computer from anywhere. So if you have a TV, if you have a tablet, a smartphone, or an old computer or anything, any device, you will be able to have and to uh, to use a top computer and uh, high tech and uh, and that will be able to run any software and any games. That's the first thing. The second thing is that it's not obsolete anymore. You don't need to change your computer every three or four years, you, you always have a computer that is on the top of the technology. Super. I can see why we refer to you as the gaming visionary in the beginning. So this is totally um, kind of a totally new way to approach gaming. How do you see things changing in the future? Well, um, first it will change uh, slowly. That's the first thing. I mean, gaming is, uh, is expanding uh, super fast. And, uh, and gaming is based on the normal hardware and, uh, that we have now with computers and gaming console, more and more to mobile again. So this new technology allows you first to, don't, to not have to pay 400 euros for a gaming console or 1,000 euros or even more for a gaming computer. And then also can expand the things you can do in a game. For example, if you look at racing games, you have like a, a limited of 12 cars on the, on the starting line. 
Thanks to this kind of technology, you can imagine having 10,000 cars that will directly race together because instead of having the power of one computer, you have the power of a whole data center, which is ten of thousands of computers. So it will affect the gaming in multiple ways. First, you don't need to have hardware anymore. Second, you can expand the limit of games. There's a lot of things that will be done, but again, it will be on the next two, three years. So I think I wouldn't have expected anything less from someone in the cloud gaming space. Um, what do you guys expect to accomplish in the next few years with Shadow? Uh, a lot to change the world, of course. Every startup needs to change the world, otherwise you don't, don't build your company. But uh, the first thing we need to achieve and we, we want to achieve is to show people that actually it's totally stupid to buy a computer anymore. It's totally stupid to buy a gaming console anymore. You can have much better if you use Shadow. That's the first thing we need to accomplish and we did it quite well on the last months and on the last announcements we did. You can have a full powered computer that can run anything starting 12 euros per month. So that's a, that's a game changing. Wow, that sounds like a very good deal. <laughs> yeah, it is. Just go to a website. All right, Benjamin. So what you're building with Care Game is also granting access to games uh, to many more people in a very similar way to Shadow, mm -hmm. um, but more specifically with mobile. So tell us first, Care, Dame, Care Game, mm -hmm. how does it work? So basically, and we are really inspired by what uh, Shadow pioneered in France, but we are specifically delivering the experience for mobile games uh, on mobile devices, so smartphones and tablets. And what we enable is to access a mobile game without any downloads, so just one click away, one swipe away even. Um, and we, we, we just kind of stream the game so that you have nothing working locally. You don't need any storage, you don't need any specific uh, device uh, to play whatever game. And basically, if you have a smartphone that can support YouTube, you can, support, you can play to whatever very heavy a game. Uh, and uh, a figure I often use to... To give an example uh, of this is uh, when you look at one of the most famous games, uh, Fortnite, on mobile. It's so heavy uh, that it's like 6 giga to download. It takes maybe 20 minutes on the first download. And ac actually, it's only, you can only run it if you, have, if, you have, if you are among the 30% of top smartphone holders. So if you have a low-end smartphone, I mean, if you are among the 70% of others' devices, you can't even... Um, hope of playing Fortnite on your mobile. So that's where we are with the same uh, kind of arguments uh, that Emmanuel just said, like uh, your phone can't be obsolete anymore for mobile games. Super. And so I think probably it makes a lot of sense that you would be on mobile. I'm not trying to challenge that, but why be so heavily concentrated on mobile at a time when you could be multi-platform and every... Yeah. So we are focusing on one first problem because it's already a big job, uh, but we are. We chose to to uh, focus on mobile first because we are also already uh, great uh, uh, people uh, for other platforms. Um, looking at you, Emmanuel, for for sure. And also, and we, and we are kind of uh, uh, we are trying to have one step uh, before that the cloud gaming is going uh, to happen. And uh, we think that just when we look at the figures, uh, mobile mobile is just driving the growth also of of uh, gaming uh, uh, globally. Uh, so, uh, 2018 was the first year that mobile games uh, worldwide were making more revenues uh, than any other platform and even than all other platforms accumulated. And um, so we think that the, it's just the device of smartphone is creating new use of games. It, it, it attracts new users because you have new moments of gaming which are really different. So we are talking to different types of users too. Um, and we are focusing on this because there, is, uh, there are some specialties, technically speaking, 
um, talking about like t touch controls, about using the the features of the of the mobile, such as uh, the gyroscope, the camera, and so that's why it's already a big bunch of work. So. Super. And so I think I want to just uh, wrap up with one last question for you. Mm -hmm specific to the mobile experience because you just talked about how there's some key moments that are different on mobile than on other platforms mm -hmm. what do those look like uh so moments of uh, uh where you are when you are playing uh to mobile games often the first uh, moment that people think of uh is public transportation because that's the only public moment when people play to mobile games so everybody's thinking about the subway or train uh but in in fact the first place where people are when people are, pl are playing to mobile games are at home at night uh, it can be in front of TV during the ads. It can be uh, in your bed. It can be uh, also on the toilets, of course, which is uh, uh, something that is underestimated in a way. Uh, and the second place where you are playing more uh, to mobile games when people are playing the most uh, is at the office, actually, uh, in front of uh, mobile, uh, in, in front of um, public transportation. So in that place is also which is important. What is really important to us is that you have a better connectivity than in transportation. Excellent. So that's in transportation, in the toilet, and in the office. So <laughs> when are people not on their phones playing games? <laughs> All right. So we've talked a lot about cloud gaming. Uh, another hot topic is in esports and competitive gaming. So Nicolas, you're the co-founder of Vitality, a big esports organization. I think uh, you are the definition of esports, actually. I think when you look it up in the dictionary, that's what shows up. Uh, you guys have established a unique partnership with the Stade de France a few months ago, and so it's kind of a historical first as well. Um, first of us, tell about his vitality what are you guys doing so we are basically an esports club uh, the same way you would think of a sports club so we have players under contract representing the brand in competitions we have pa brands partner with the team uh, we have uh, fans we have merchandising so everything you would apply and know from a sports club exists for vitality big difference is that our players are playing in front of computers, consoles, or even mobile, even if it's not that big in sport yet. Uh, so, so, but everything you know uh, of sports applies to esports. But you, we use video game as a media. That's why our business is not exactly gaming. We're not doing gaming. We're using gaming, gaming as a, the, the support. Um, so, we are one of the biggest teams in Europe, the biggest in France. Uh, and we now have 100% uh, working for Vitality, be the players, the sports staff, or the staff in Paris. Huge. Uh, so tell me, what does the deal with Stade de France change for you guys? Uh, that's one of the components of success. When we are building, uh, we are to build a brand. And if you want to build a brand that succeeds in esports, uh, you need the legacy of winning tournaments, winning championship, and then you need to build your brand. So those two components are key. On the performance side, what we want to create is a professional environment for our players. Uh, we want to give them the capacity and surround them with infrastructure where they can prepare the best, where they can have the best condition to, to prepare the match, prepare the championships. Uh, so all in all, we want to put them in one place where they go to work, they have access to everything they need to perform. And Stade de France in that regard is very interesting. Uh, they have the knowledge, experience of sports. It's a huge venue. They are very interested in the growth of esports. So we decided we, we are very connected and we, have, uh, we want to build something together. So Stade de France is the key part to build and achieve performance for Vitality. Super. And so I'm a very amateur <laughs> esports uh, gamer. How does a player make money? From a player perspective, um, it's twofold. The, the big thing is signing a contract with the team. Uh, basically, the team will look for the best talent because it's uh, a talent-driven industry. Uh, in esports, like in sports, you need the talent to win. 
you, you need not only the talent, it's not enough, but you, if you don't have access to talent, you have no chance to win a championship. So from a team perspective, we need to find the best players out. So for them, uh, they're on the market. Um, they're looking for teams. They will look for a team that uh, maybe offer the best salary, maybe has the best history in the game, maybe the best coach, maybe the best other players. So um, they are looking for a team. They sign a contract, so they have monthly salary. If you want an example, for example, in League of Legends, player salary in the European Championship would range for 100k to 500k yearly. So we're already talking interesting salaries. Um, and also, some player monetize another aspect is their own brand. Uh, they can have uh, deals with uh, uh, with brands, uh, for example, to promote products, or they can stream. Uh, they can monetize their audience. But most of the time in its sport, professional players focus on performance, and you have uh, players that are more entertainers, not the best players, but they are uh, they are ready to attract communities and they stream their games. Uh, but yeah, it's not uh, on a competitive basis; rather entertainment and showing the audience that they can be fun, they can uh, interact with them. So it's a okay. kind of a separate way. Great, you told me the salaries. I think I just got stuck on on those <laughs> figures. Um, no, tell me more seriously. We talked a lot about mobile earlier. What does mobile mean in the esports world? So it's an interesting challenge. In Europe, uh, mobile is irrelevant in esports. Right now, most of the biggest esports games are played on PC. The biggest one are League of Legends uh, or Counter Strike, which are kind of old games. 10 to 20 years for 10, 10 years for League of Legends, 20 years for Counter Strike. Uh, mobile is a tricky one because uh, it, there is a big contradiction there. In esports, you want uh, an even playing field. Like uh, every player should have the best, should have the same capacity to win. Um, you just have to be the best. It's just a display of skill, uh, individual or team based. But in mobile, very often with the free-to-play model, you pay to get uh, more power in the game. So if you're watching a game where the guy that wins is just the richest one, it's not interesting at all. So we have to solve this issue to develop esports, uh, esports uh, mobile and gaming on esports. It's kind of complicated. Some games uh, alleviate this. For example, Clash Clash Royale. They have a specific mode for competitive where everyone has the same power, the same power level, the same card. So then as a viewer, it's interesting to watch because it's just skill. So in Asia, uh, it's very big already, but in Europe, it's uh, it hasn't taken off. Taken off. Okay, so then how do the traditional gaming companies like Ubisoft and EA feel about what you guys are building today? Well, it's complicated. Uh, first, it's a gigantic opportunity because suddenly you go to a market of 200 million players to uh, 2 billion players. You don't need to have 40, 400 euros or 1,000 euros to buy hardware anyone can suddenly start to play. So it's a good opportunity for them to sell more games, obviously. And it's a good opportunity also to find how, to can, how, how we can use game on mobile, which is not clear yet. We need to find the right usage. But at the same time, they don't want to have a video games, a Netflix of video games or something like that. Someone, a big guy that will just have um, the, the list, a catalog of games and that will start to build his own game. So they love the idea, they don't really like the Netflix-like uh, people that will start. So they love us, of course. We are not a Netflix guy and we are giving a, providing a full computer. So they love us and uh, they're working with us a lot. Interesting. So as long as you're not Netflix of gaming, they're okay with you. Benjamin, do you feel the same way? Do you think they treat um, you and see you the same way? Yeah, for the mobile distribution, uh, you have, we have same challenges. Uh, even like you have mostly two marketplaces uh, with Apple and, and Google. Uh, what Ubisoft really enjoys, uh, for I say uh, I talk about Ubisoft because they are accelerating here 
us here at, uh, at Station F. Uh, so we are really close with them. Uh, what they really envision, in addition to what Emmanuel said about like opening the market, uh, is that it's uh, for mobile games where the biggest pain is acquisition, where because everybody is like over um, uh, faced with ads on mobile, where be, you can be in Facebook and Instagram, wherever you have ads about games when you are playing a little. Uh, so our answer to don't uh, uh, to the pain that represents download uh, really opens up the way of acquiring new customers and uh, and just having the ability to instance try a game without. Uh, wondering if you have enough space, enough uh, yeah, storage, or uh, of the the good phone, it just uh, it's just like a, a wide new world for them, which they really believe in. Awesome! So they're quite excited. Yeah. Nice, and so I'm sure they look at esports and they just see dollar signs. Yeah, esports <laughs> is very interesting for them uh, in the sense that the video game market changed from a. Let's say the model of triple A games, example would be Call of Duty, where uh, Activision was selling the game 60 euro and is still doing that 60 euro every year. But it's less and less this model and more and more the model of game as a service, where the games are free and then monetized with microtransactions. So the goal of the publisher is to keep people engaged with the game. And esports helps a lot in that regard. If you look at Counter-Strike, I was mentioning it, it's 20 years old. And part of the success of the game, it's great to play Counter-Strike, but it's also great to watch it. The more people are watching high-level competition, the more they stay engaged with the game. So the more they keep playing and the more they keep buying uh, loot box in the game and so on. So most of the publishers nowadays understand this opportunity about esports. They all want to build games that are esports ready, but it's very complicated to find the magic recipe. And if you look at the list of games again, uh, there are not new games in that list. It's all old games, uh, Fortnite being the exception to that. So everyone trying to figure out Oh, do I publish a game that's esports ready, esports compliant, that people will want to watch? Now it's a big question mark, but uh, everyone's trying. Super. You mentioned that some of these games are quite old, and actually I'm just thinking that all of us kind of have childhood games that kind of initially got us into what is gaming, and I'm sure each of you have a personal story with gaming in order to be able to kind of dedicate your lives to it. So I'd love to hear what is the game that impacted your life? And maybe I'll start, I'll start again with Emmanuel. The game that really made you think, I want to do this. Oh my God, there's so many games, actually. <laughs> I think when you're a gamer, you, you, you love a lot of them. And I can uh, I just want to talk for hours about 10 games. But if I need to choose one, and please don't make choose one. Uh, <laughs> I will, I don't know, I will uh, probably, uh, Might and Magic was my first game where I spent a lot of time, actually. And it was great. And why this game? What's special about this game? Graf I'm shocking you. <laughs> graphism. I mean, 10, 20 years ago, something like that. Fabulous great. No, actually, my first game was Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Oh, no, but <laughs> <laughs> you got the idea. <laughs> Super. Benjamin, your favorite game? Um, I think my favorite game, um, uh, it's it's tricky because I've played a lot first, uh, of course, on console because they, uh, were, they appeared before smartphones uh, for me to play. So uh, I think it was uh, just uh, games I was playing with my brothers. Uh, so it could be was Pro Evolution Soccer uh, and was in that team <laughs> at the time. And also, of course, the Mario, uh, Kart, for, Mario Kart for sure. But on mobile, I really uh, one game I spent so much time on and really enjoyed uh, the graphism, the challenges, was uh, Cut the Rope from Depto Labs. They are just amazing. And uh, actually, I'm trying one of them, the new, the new ones uh, right now. And they are just doing a great job at giving a good balance between uh, yeah, challenge and uh, easy access. It's true. Cut the rope is is quite a good one. I haven't heard for a while. Mm -hmm. And finally, Nicole. 
Um, I have uh, fond memories of uh, Zelda Ocarina of Time and Nintendo mm. 64 because I waited uh, weeks to get the game uh, before it's uh, released and when I got it, it was uh, just magic. Uh, and uh, on the esports side is when I started to play League of Legends that I understood the thing. Like it's a game you can play thousands of hours and still suck. <laughs> and you, can, you still need to play, play, play and you have to be gifted, you have to work a lot. And then when you play such game, you realize that uh, that's where why they are professional and they are, they are so higher and uh, it's so interesting and so deep. Fascinating. We are already reaching the end of the episode. I always like to end it with some practical advice for our listeners. So I'm going to ask you each to share some wisdom with uh, different people who might be launching a new company in gaming. Uh, Emmanuel, I'm going to start with you. Advice for a gaming startup that's getting started. Well, so advice is pretty simple. Be passionate and and. You're right, basically. There's a lot of people giving advice. It's very easy to give advice. But if you have a way to see how it can be done, probably this can be done, and this can be done by you. So just follow that. Great. I love that. Benjamin. Uh, yes. Um, an advice I would give uh, would be, of course, uh, dream big, uh, but fail fast also at the beginning. And uh, I mean, one of the smartest advice I've been given by one of our investors was about like the... Um, uh, um, Long trend, new trends of new technologies and innovations is that we are we tend to overestimate the penetration rates of innovations in terms of global market, but we also tend to so we tend to overestimate this and we tend to underestimate the impact that new technologies will have in the daily basis. I mean that was a really clear way to me to focus on what's going to be the future life. Super and Nicola. I'll give an answer that's more specific to esports because I get this question very often. How do I, I start my esports team? Uh, it's kind of complicated because when we started Vitality, it was a new territory. We could do whatever we want uh, with uh, a few bucks. But today, uh, in esports, the barrier of entry is very high. So I think you have to find your niche. You cannot go and compete with the big teams that have uh, players in every game, that have extended their brand. You have to find your niche, try to bet on new trends. Maybe the guy that bet on Fortnite uh, when it just started uh, could have started something interested. You can go on games that are very uh, specific with specific communities, but you have to go find your niche and work from it. Super. I was hoping you'd tell me how to start my own eSports <laughs> club. <laughs> Good luck. Super. All right. Well, thank you, everyone. It's been a pleasure. To all of our listeners, please give us feedback by Twitter or by email at press at stationf.co. You can find information about our startup campus and programs and events at stationf.co online. Make sure to follow us and not to miss our next episodes. We are available on all the usual podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, and TuneIn. All right, everyone. See you soon.